Welcome back to the conclusion of the matter. I'm joined as always by Ryan Weaver and Ren Ferguson, and I'm Robbie Santiago. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, Solomon writes, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Uh, again, we want to thank all of our listeners for, for listening, and if you have any questions, then we would love to tackle those and, and any topic suggestions that you have. You can email us at the conclusion of the matter at yahoo.com, or you can text us or Facebook message us or see us in person or call us or send up a smoke signal, however you got to get a hold of us. Uh, but Ryan, why don't, why don't you go ahead and introduce what we're going to be talking about in our grand finale for this season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks. yeah it is. Thanks. One final hoorah. Thanks, yeah. Robbie. Um, so when this podcast is released, whether you listen to it then or not, will be released the day after what we call Memorial Day, um, which is a time where originally um, it was meant to memorialize or remember um, those that have given their lives. And we've turned it into, not we, us three, but um, America has kind of turned yeah. it into more of a barbecue picnic, type, yeah. which is which are all good things. Commercial, Don't get me wrong. Great but, sales. Yeah. Go buy a new lawnmower. I'll take a know. day off of work and yeah. mm-hmm. for that. But um, it's a great Monday. You know, um, Memorial Day. The idea behind it was it originally started as Decoration Day um, after the Civil War to to celebrate those that had given their lives and and as more wars occurred and more Americans were lost to World War One, World War Two. It was eventually renamed a Memorial Day. It was made a national holiday in 1971. Um, but we as Christians kind of have a memorial. I don't want to call it a day, but we have a memorial that, that we're instructed to to um, participate in. Um, anything you guys want to talk about real quick? For I, I also wanted to uh, kind of lay out where the idea, idea but the the uh the foreshadowing came into play in the old testament no you're good for it no so um in the old testament in exodus when um the israelites had been enslaved by the egyptians after joseph had passed away and the new pharaoh didn't know about joseph and then he got worried that they were going to be a powerful nation so he put them under bondage and then um we're introduced to a man named Moses and his brother Aaron, and as we know, they were sent in to lead the lead God's people out of um, bondage and onto the promised land. And if you're familiar with the me- the message there in Exodus, we we read of ten plagues. The tenth plague was the death of the firstborn um, of the family, but also the livestock. And God had made a promise with the Israelites. Um, he gave them strict orders to take a, a lamb without blemish, uh, sacrifice it, don't break any of the bones, cook it a certain way, eat it, don't leave anything. There were a lot of rules to this. Um, I say a lot. There were maybe some. But um, but anyway, they were to take the blood and to apply it on the, the doorpost, the lintel of the door, the top of the doorpost, and God promised that when he came through, if he saw the blood, he would pass over. 
And then he instituted a memorial for that, and they called it the Passover feast. And there were rules behind that as well. Um, Seven days, you weren't supposed to have leaven in your house of any kind. supposed to be swept out, make sure it's out of there. And then um, the Jews kept that Passover feast every year as a memorial for that Mm -hmm. sacrifice and God delivering them out of the bondage. So... Um, anything you guys want to add to that? Uh, I don't think so. Not that part. Yeah, I was waiting for the next part too. Okay. So continue. Um, so we fast forward to the Christian dispensation and we see that while the Jews had a Passover lamb, we as Christians also have a Passover lamb and that, that was Jesus Christ. And we know that he was the perfect lamb, um, so for people who say there's no correlation with the Old Testament and New Testament, this is just one of those correlations of here, here is a foreshadowing of what's mm-hmm. going to come in the New Covenant. Um, and Christ instituted what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. You'll see Paul use that term, communi- communion with one another. Um, there are other terms that other, I'm going to say, denominations have come up with Eucharist and things like that, but we don't find those. So we typically call it the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus instituted it on the, you know, the the Passover as part after the Passover feast on the night that he was betrayed by Judas before he went into the trials and all that stuff. Um, but um, Luke Luke records he says, "Do this in remembrance of me." And then we see Paul in First Corinthians chapter eleven giving a similar message. Um, but I think we're going to talk about what I kind of wanted to do was say we have this memorial feast that we're supposed to partake of to remember and proclaim mm-hmm. his death. Um, I think we're going to talk about what it is, when it is. Um, but also, I don't think it, I think we should always remember. Um, and for us to deliver the gospel to someone, we have to cover it, right? right? It's part of the gospel message. Right. Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 15 that the gospel is. I don't want to say it's summed up in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And um, so, anyway, anything? I was just going to point out, um, I was just curious just a moment ago, so I just got on Google to find out how many times the word remember is used in the Bible. And the sources are kind of a little bit all over the place. It probably depends on the translation that you're using. Uh, For example, in the King James, it occurs 148 times, but then... These other sources that didn't specify which um, which uh, translation of the Bible they were using, I'd say the average number I found was about 240 to 250 times. But one even mentions that it's over 1,200 times. So, so I don't know if their math's off or, or what's going on, but the, the number internet. of times. Yeah. So you got to believe it. Yeah, it's I guess on the internet, exactly. So. Uh, I'm not sure that the number of times is necessarily significant, except to bring up the point that. God frequently wanted the Israelites and wants Christians to remember certain, certain things. things yeah. And so obviously this being one of them, especially the Passover. Uh, and even even throughout like the New Testament, there's certain reminders that that we need to be aware of that God expects of us. And right. were you about to say something just a moment ago, Randall? Uh, <clears throat> well, I was just going to say, going back to Ryan's point about how there are those connections between the Old and the New Testament— and this connection that we're making between the Passover and the Lord's Supper that we observe today is not, I mean, it's not arbitrary. And one verse that I think of 
is uh, 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, where Paul wrote, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And so here we see an explicit connection Connection. between what Christ did with us or for us to that lamb that was slain to save the firstborn of the children of Israel all the way back Mm -hmm. in Egypt. And so it's not just arbitrary. We're not just saying that these things are connected and that the Passover is a, a, a shadow of the Lord's Supper. There is that explicit connection made in Scripture. I think it's fascinating how correlated and how symbolic the Old and New Testament can be. And even, uh, I'll bring up a different example. I didn't have this one written down, but just just thought of when Abraham had to offer his son, we see that kind of symbolism right. in a similar way in the New Testament with, with God the Father and uh, and God the Son yeah. through Jesus. Yeah. And even... Um, we were looking at in through, really throughout the New Testament, but in the book of Romans and and in other places in the New Testament, how many times does Paul go back to these different analogies and different examples in the Old Testament to make a point about the sim, the symbolic yeah. nature that Jesus's death on the cross right. was? He right. does it with like Abraham and David in chapter five, but brings up like various quotes and and I don't think that that's by accident, right? Yeah. Do you have anything to add, no, Ryan? No. Um, you guys want to jump into the win? Sure. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I think we can see in First um, Corinthians chapter eleven, he talks about when they came together, and and in that same letter, when he talks about um, in verse sixteen, talking about the giving, he says on the first day of the week, when basically again correlating when they come together, we can we can find in Acts chapter twenty and verse seven when Paul. Um, sorry, my page is getting hung up. Um, um, Paul had came to, um, I believe Troas, right? Yes. Yeah. And he was, he got there, but, um, he was going to leave, but then he, uh, waited, um, for seven days so he could partake of, as we see in verse seven, the breaking of bread to break bread. And some people say, well, how do you know what that is? Well, I think if we look at the context, but also most, if not 98%, that's my percentage, of, mm-hmm. of even biblical scholars, whether they be of denominational mindset or whatnot, say this is applicable to the Lord's Supper here. Um, I think in Acts chapter 2, when it's referred to in um, the the doctrine of the apostles and the breaking of the bread. Right. It's referring to the Lord's Supper. And then later they talk about a generic breaking of bread, a verse later. Are you verse there 46, right now? yeah. Okay. In verse 42, it talks about they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And I think also the definite article V there helps. Yeah, agreed. Because it's talking about a specific, specific type of breaking of bread. And then in verse 46, and day by day attending uh, the temple together and breaking bread. And this is also, I think, an important prepositional phrase in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. So I think, in especially in verse 46, well, I think in both of those verses, there's a few... I guess hints, if you will, or or I guess maybe what's a defining terms, if you, I don't, I don't know. Indicators. Yeah, that's the word that I was trying to come up with. Indicators. 
of what exactly he's talking about in verse 42. All of those things are spiritual. They're related to Christ. They're related to the church, the operation of the church. And then in verse 46, it's much more generic, informal. Also in verse 46, it refers to it. They receive their food with gladness. Nowhere in the New Te- excuse me, in the New Testament is the the Lord's Supper referred to as just food, food. which also in 1 Corinthians 11, I think we see the opposite the of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the point there in Acts chapter 20 is <clears throat> if it wasn't specific to when they were going to partake of it, why couldn't Paul have just done it at any right. point in time? He purposely stayed for a reason, and I think that's you can reason and get there. Yeah. Um, because well, he spl- also, explicitly, explicitly says on the first day of the week when we had gathered together to break bread. Right. And also, the there's also that connection that we see between their assembly on the first day of the week being, of course, on the Lord's day, the day that he was resurrected, resurrected. from the dead. Even in Revelation, isn't it Revelation 1? I can't no, remember what verse, on but on the, yeah. in, on the Lord's day. And also an interesting point in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 20, where it talks about the Lord's Supper, that's also actually the only time that it is referred to as the Lord's Supper in Scripture. And the other times where it is being discussed, it will use phrases like in Acts 20, the breaking of bread, mm-hmm. and we have to rely on context to discern exactly what it is that that he's talking about there, which is, again, I think another reason why we know in Acts 20 and verse 7, he's talking about the observance of the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> I think it's just interesting that in in all the other acts of worship that, you know, the groundwork is laid for how often that you sing, how often that there needs to be preaching, how often that giving is done, all the other acts of worship. You know, why would it be any different for the Lord's Supper, especially considering the purpose of the Lord's Supper, to yeah. remember and to honor Christ's death? Right. Uh, and so I think there's nothing more important than than we do really any day to remember Christ's death, but especially on the Lord's Day. That should be at the forefront right. of our minds, and it should be the purpose of us coming together to worship, to honor that very thing, mm-hmm. because without Christ's death on the cross— yeah. What's the point of remembering any, right. anything? So right. Yeah, I think the distinction there is it is the only one that has a time is limited only, to yeah, yeah. limited to. Yeah. Um which Ren and I have had a couple of yeah. discussions on here yeah. lately about um especially on the first day of the week what what acts maybe we should do that as a podcast as maybe an so. episode next yeah. season B season of this B. year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which starts yeah. in July. But anyway, um so we've established probably the when, the the what. We see Jesus had—it was during the Passover, yeah. or the Passover, they had just finished the Passover meal. He was using the imp, the implements that were there, which we can tell from the old law, there would not have been leaven in the house for mm-hmm. seven days, basically, um, which meant the f- bread was unleavened, unleavened yeah. bread. Um, so he instituted— it with the unleavened bread, which is what they used. And as we talked about in our prior podcast, leaven basically changes it from something to, and it, it's not pure anymore. Right. It's not in its pure form. And that bread is supposed to be pure because Christ told them, this is my body. 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 Yeah. And was Christ's body pure? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was without sin, right? So, and that goes back to your earlier point about the symbolism in the Old Testament as well, like how sacrifice in the Old Testament had to be unblemished, just like right. Christ's sacrifice had to be. You know, that correlation and that link is right there. I, I found it interesting, um, and I was, but when it said not to, you should eat it and not break any of its bones, also whose bones right. weren't broken. Right. I mean, and I that s- was prophesied in, in Psalm, but still. That correlation is so super tight yeah. there that yeah. it was without blemish, and you didn't break any of its bones either. Yeah. So just a, another tidbit. Of, we mentioned so many times just in passing is just kind of common knowledge, and to a degree it is about Jesus fulfilling all of these things in the Old Testament. I think you know these are just examples yeah. of that, really. Mm-hmm. So um, the first thing was the just to cover the implements, the, uh, the unleavened bread, which means— basically bread that does not have a leavening agent in it to change its purity. Mm-hmm. And the next one is fruit of the vine. Um, now, some people will say, well, cucumbers are a fruit of the vine, watermelons are fruit of the vine. But while that's true in our in our yeah. day and age, then what would have been? It would have been great. Understood that yeah. it was that it was great. Yeah. Um, so I think that um, I think I've heard in multiple lessons, Terry, I think, Ren, you probably said it as well, but the idea was if there was no leaven in the bread, would this have more than likely been unleavened, unleavened drink? Grape juice. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. means there was no impurities, no yeah. fermentation, because right. that's really what leavening is doing in the, yeah. in the bread. Yeah, well, because also, well, like you're pointing out, yeast played an important role in the fermentation of uh, wine in converting it from what we would call just grape juice to alcoholic mm-hmm. wine. And so again, when you're thinking about the historical context of this, if they weren't supposed to have leaven in their homes for seven days, it doesn't really make sense, I guess, in the historical context of this, that this would have been alcoholic wine. And I think there's other reasons why I don't think there's it was be alcoholic, but that's one of the main ones. See our podcast on alcohol. Yeah, for for further reference. Because I think we talked about. Did we talk mm-hmm. about that Maybe. in that episode? We at least sent. I know um, we talked about John too. Even regardless, even if again, this is not my interpretation. Just an argument that some would make. Even if there is alcohol, the alcohol concentration that they would have used at the time would have been basically for the purpose of sanitation so that it would have been pured. But that's not my interpretation. Yeah. I, I think it's, right. you know, unfermented. It's not alcohol. And they would typically only do that like putting it in water to purify the water. The water. Correct. Because the grape juice is, it kind of stands on its own. It doesn't really need a, a cleansing agent right. from what I understand. So um, as, a, as I mentioned, Luke specifically uh, calls out him saying, do this in remembrance of me. I didn't see that in Matthew and Mark. But, and then when Paul says it was delivered to him from Christ, um, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, um, verse 24, he says, he took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we, we see him offering thanks for the bread, saying this is a representation of my body that is being delivered up for mm-hmm. you. Um, and he said, you're going to partake of this, and the purpose is to remember me. Right. Remember this um, sacrifice. Um, 
And then Paul continues there in verse 25, in the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, it's it's pointing out you're doing it because it's supposed to bring a remembrance, right? right? It's not just Mm -hmm. a, uh, we're not a social gathering here to where it's just like we're, you know, having tea and crumpets. Right. Um, And that goes back to the point, Christ established what the elements were. We shouldn't be changing it or adding right. to and also because i i mean and i you're 100 correct and i think it, that's so clear because he's explicitly telling us to eat of that bread and drink the grape juice and it's kind of like and i know people i know that there are people who will say well as long as it grows on any sort of vine then it doesn't really matter what juice. Going back to your cucumber comment or watermelon, watermelon yeah. or whatever. <laughs> now, if it's green grapes or red grapes, whatever, that doesn't matter. We don't know exactly what it was that they had. It mm-hmm. could have been either one. But he's talking about the fruit of the vine. He's talking about a particular fruit of a particular vine. And again, historically, that would have been grape juice. And so he explicitly commands us to partake of those two emblems. So as you're pointing out, we have no right to change it nor, as you've already alluded to, have any right to treat it as if it is just some common meal like tea and crumpets, as you said. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I've ever in my life I've never had, had a tea crumpet, and crumpets. But I've had tea. But I think that's the whole point here in First Corinthians chapter 11 right, because right. they are doing that. And a matter of fact, they're kind of intermingling it with with regular common yeah. common meal stuff. And he's like, that's not the point. of This needs to be set aside and this is my interpretation of what Paul's saying. Paul does not use these terms, but he said this needs to be set aside and done as a specific thing and that needs to be the focus. Because right. if we continue to read here, um he tells us how we should partake of it. And what I mean by that mindset wise. Mm-hmm. Um he says in verse twenty six this is Paul. He said, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's a purpose there. Not only did Christ say, you're doing it in my remembrance, Paul's saying we're proclaiming his death until he returns. And I think we see there, it's not even, obviously the main focus is the sacrifice that he made, but also I think there's a, I think remembering his sacrifice also points us to his return. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. To help keep us focused on all of, Mm -hmm. on what we need to be focused on, that he is going to return that one day and we will stand before him and remembering that sacrifice helps keep that at the forefront of our minds. Yeah. I think it's also reminding us the lives that we should live. Cause even continuing in first mm-hmm. Corinthians 11, yeah. 11, uh, for whoever eats, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So, because of what Christ has done for us, it should impact the lives that we're living. And because of our lives, it should lead us back to remembering what Christ done. It's kind of like a full circle type right. thing. And Ryan, you brought up verse 26, talking about when, when we do this, it proclaims the Lord's death until he comes. I think when it mentions in the previous verses, do this in remembrance of me, verse 26 tells us why. It's because we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes, which is why I think that it's the most significant part of worship because that's the sole purpose of it. Because without it, we don't proclaim the Lord's death, and it's the way that we honor Christ 
and what he has done for us in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. And um, I was going to go to uh, 28, 29, and 27, because 27 is a a scary, the right word. Um, It's humbling. That's what I would Scary, scary for whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of our of the Lord. And I'm thinking of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26 and following where it talks about profaning the Lord, trampling trampling on the sacrifice of the Lord because you've turned away from right. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how much worse of a punishment that would be than what the, the Israelites yeah. dealt with. And I see this here is that, again, profaning the, the body and the blood is... Wow, should shouldn't be uh, something taken no, lightly, right? No. It's it's how many people take it and they just it's just what we do. Yeah, I and, think that's the point that Paul's really making there too, because you guys have kind of hinted at at this, but the Corinthians were kind of using this as you know maybe not like a social meal, but you know they were kind of coming and picking out. They were like, "Hey, food, this is yeah. great." Uh, and Paul's like, "What's the matter with you guys? You know, you're you're." guilty of dishonoring the Lord's body here. Uh, and I think it was kind of intended to be a wake-up call for them. Right. Sorry, Ram, what well, were you saying? Well, I was just going to say, I think we've talked about this general idea with other things, uh, like with our singing, and it's true of prayers as well, especially uh, especially I think of, of singing, where we sing the same songs frequently enough where we can find our mind drifting and not really focusing on what we're talking about. And I think the same thing is true of the Lord's Supper, Mm -hmm. where we partake of it every week because that's the pattern that we see in the New Testament. But the danger of that is it just becomes something that we do. And we'll eat the bread and we'll drink the grape juice without really dwelling upon and reflecting upon what Christ did for us. And that's that's very dangerous. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the um, there's a, uh, a a widow at Godfrey now, but she long time ago she was one of my first Bible school teachers at uh, back in Centralia, uh, Mary Ball. For those of you who are listening, but she said something uh, when I was in college um, at a at a at a retreat I was at, and it stuck with me. She always opens her Bible and reads one of the accounts of yeah. the crucifixion, the resurrection during that time. Because if you do that, we're more, I mean, I guess you could be really not paying attention to what you're reading, but it right. does help you focus on yeah. what happened and right. what you're really supposed to be focused on. And, right. and I've, I've like, I can't say I've done it 100% of the time, but I've done it a lot since yeah. that time. And it stuck with me. It's like, Maybe that needs to be part of my act yeah. of worship here is that to get my mind where it needs to be, I'm going to go read, um, you know, Matthew. I'm going to read Mark's account. I'm going to read Luke's account. I'm going to go read here First Corinthians chapter 11 um, because it it gets you focused. Yeah. I, I don't I, – I know I've done that a time or two before. I know my dad, I think he does that every Sunday as well. The thing that I usually – usually will do is not necessarily read the passage that talks about his crucifixion, but I try, like I try to picture it in my head, him hanging there on the cross. And there are times where, and I don't know if I should do this or not, but 
there are times where I, I try to put myself in his shoes on the cross just to try to really think about and appreciate the agony that he had to have been. Like imagining that happening mm-hmm. to myself mm-hmm. and the pain that he had to have gone through. And so that's usually what I try to think about and focus about uh, whenever I'm partaking of it as well. And just how, I mean, just how awful, how awful that must have been. I think even another thing to consider, both of those things are excellent, and I do kind of a mixture of both, but even there's so many, so many really profound songs that you can, that I'll sometimes read through during, during that time of worship as well, uh, whether that be like opening a songbook or just kind of reflecting on the words of the song that was sang just before saying, yeah. or just reflecting mm-hmm. on, you know, certain ones. And I think sometimes... Sometimes the lyrics of the song can really put you more in kind of that mindset mm-hmm. uh, of what Christ was going through and the emotional side of it, rather than, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it, just kind of like the play-by-play of the events yeah. that took place, which yeah. are equally significant, but sometimes just that empathy can take it a little step further. But Okay, any other thoughts on those? Nope. No, no. Um, I think the um, number number twenty, <laughs> verse twenty eight, which you kind of already too. Let a man examine himself. I think that also gives us a. Um, I I kind of correlate it with Second Corinthians chapter thirteen verse five, where he talks about you know examine yourself, test yourself to make sure you're in, you're, you are in fact in the, in Christ or in the faith, lest you fail the test. I think it gives us an opportunity to reflect on how we've lived for the last seven days and how I probably ought to try to do better, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And and that's a lot to think about all in in the time frame where that cuz a lot of times it's not uh, it's not uh it's what am I trying to say? I got sidetracked. Ren made a face at me. Um No, it, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you did. He, he did. He was making it a Robbie, but it wasn't me. So, um <laughs> he, anyway. He saw it anyway. Um <clears throat> there's a lot to think about and it and and it can be any of this, I think, in, in in remembering Christ and and what he had done for us because how you said you you put yourself in that position I think we've said before put yourself in Barabbas's shoes yeah. because he's the one that really represents right. us because we're the ones that deserved it and we got replaced right. by right. Christ and I, I just want to make a point of clarification I'm not when I say that I'm not trying to make the Lord's supper about me I I'm just trying that. to understand yeah you know what Empathy he went through. Is, is yeah, what yeah mm-hmm. I got it. Um, so I mean, like we may remember our family members and um, you know those that have fought for our country on Memorial Day. We focus on Christ's sacrifice and remember Him every first day of the week by following what's laid out for us by Christ and the apostles. And that's that to us is the great memorial, is that mm-hmm. there's no other memorial greater than that um, because, you know, there was no greater sacrifice than that. Right. So any additional thoughts? Don't think so. Not probably. Okay. So, again, thank you for tuning in. Um, we have enjoyed this first half of the season. 
Um, hopefully you can get caught up in the, if you're behind, you got four yeah. weeks to get caught up. Some of you, I know, like my I think we should are, start. I think we should keep a list of all the people that aren't listening and we should call them out in every episode <laughs> and see how quickly that list dwindles. Yeah, by the time, by the time they're <laughs> listening to this though, they'll already be caught up. Yeah. So. Unless I guess they could go out of order, but you know. True. But, um, again, thank you. And as we always say, reach out to us anyway. I think Robbie said earlier, smoke signal us if, if he, he, he teaches history, so he probably knows how to read yeah. that stuff. Not sure. But I anyway, would, we thank you for tuning in and for those that encourage us. Thank you very much yes. because um, it's it. I, I told someone the other day, uh, Sunday, when they said they really enjoy this. So we do, too. And I said, honestly, I think we'd probably do it even if no one no listened to us, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is true, because yeah. I think we we enjoy this. Um, but anyway, uh, not to belabor, belabor yeah. the thank you part. But um, anyway, uh, I think we can say we have reached the conclusion, conclusion of, of the matter. matter.